Welcome back to My Wheelhouse Basketball Podcast. It's not Seamus McNamara. It's Steve Trudeau today hosting. Joined by my co-host, good friend, Al Biddy's Natola. Al Biddy's Natola, my guy. Biddy's, how you doing today? Oh, you know, Steve, since I, I was last on the wheelhouse, things have gone terrible in the world of soccer, for especially for my Napoli, but some of those bad feelings... I've been swept away. <laughs> oh, with the literal broom. I love it. I guess you're alluding to the series we just saw ended tonight. We're definitely going to get into some Celtics talk. Also joined by a third host, not Seamus, big friend of the podcast, Sloan Piva, a.k.a. Sloan Russell, which I called you last time. I don't know why I did that, but my good friend Sloan, how are you, buddy? Oh, good, bro. That's my Facebook name, so that works. It's the name that I went with uh, you know, in the first half of my writing career, but... I had to go back to, to the roots. But yeah, I'm pretty excited about this sweep. Pretty excited for Seamus. Welcome Calvin to the world. Congratulations, host and commission. Oh, yes. yeah. So awesome with the 11 rings. It, fun fact, since Calvin has entered the world, Celtics undefeated. Yeah, Calvin only knows... Kyrie getting owned by the Celtics. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, uh, Seamus's cousin, Matt, pointed that out on another chat. So it was pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty great point. We love that. So we're recording oh, this on, man. what is this, Monday night. We just finished watching the Celtics and Nets, and it's a late Monday night. It's we're recording now at okay, 940. Are we allowed to breathe? I know. We just, <laughs> we just ended the game. And let me tell you, for a game four, man, that was a fantastic basketball game. I was on the edge of my seat. How about you guys? Oh, man. I mean, for just like a round one series as a whole, it felt like it was more of a conference finals and you got the Kyrie aspect and the Boston-Brooklyn differences. It was just the perfect storm of a, a high-tension first-round matchup. Yeah, that, that was the most deceiving on-paper sweep that I've ever seen because it didn't seem like any of those games were givens. Uh, you know, the, the Celtics gave up big leads a couple of times. They had us, you know, you know, us Celtics fans, our hearts were really pumping at the end of pretty much all those games because you can never count KD and Kyrie out as much as we, you know, dislike some of them. Good Lord, they certainly are cold blooded. Um, but, you know, really, really excited for the Celtics. Great team defense. It was it was team defense and great teamwork that that got this 4-0 sweep. The only sweep. Uh, in the playoffs uh, so far. So the only sweep of the first round, pretty excited for Boston. Yeah. And now they can uh, get some extra time to prepare for the next round. So the I'm, I'm, I'm feeling particularly thankful that we wrapped this one up because kind of back of my mind was that bubble game against um, Toronto, the inbound pass over Taco. We uh -huh. were up 2-0 and about to go up 3-0. And that shot totally changed the series, took it to seven and, had us a little bit weaker against Miami. So if we had let up this one, uh, then Brooklyn definitely could have taken us to the limit. But like you said, it's a deceiving 4-0 because each game was so close. I feel so conflicted about this series because going in, like last time we, we met as a podcast, it was Seamus and it was Sloan. And I, I gave them shit in a chat after uh, after they recorded. Like, you know, they started off being like, it's pretty close. And they started going more and more Celtics as their conversation went on. I was like, what are you guys going to say? Celtics in two? But <laughs> nobody saw this coming. Like, personally, I don't know where I got this wrong. And maybe you guys can help me out here. 
Was I underestimating the Celtics or overestimating the Nets? Because I feel like the national narrative is like it's going to be a close series. You know, maybe the Nets pull us off and just keep running through the playoffs. But it wasn't even close. So, like, where did we really underestimate this thing? I got to say the Celtics defense because it's like you can't. When, when Kyrie did what Kyrie did game one and when KD did what he just did in game four with just like two really great games, um, but the the other three for each of those guys was really underwhelming. And I think that is credit to Celtics defense. You can't say that it's exhaustion. You can't say that they're nursing something. They had the capability to have big games, but the Celtics defense was just there to – pester them and not let it be a constant yeah i i can't remember too many series in in the career of kevin durant where he looked so uncomfortable for such long periods of time i mean the celtics as a team were just not letting him clear get clear receptions they were not letting him get to his spots they were roughing him up obviously getting aggressive with aggressive with him which you know, totally seemed to get into his head. You know, Durant shot 57% from from two this regular season. And coming into this game, he was shooting 36% this series from two. I mean, this is one of the best mid-range shooters in the history of the game. And, and he's shooting 36% from two-point shots. That, that's just – that's such a testament to this team just – buying in and you know all in as a squad just stopping their biggest threat you know Seamus said before his uh wheelhouse paternity leave he said that uh Kyrie and KD are they're gonna have to score like 80 points you know between the two of them per game to win this series and it sounded a little crazy at the time but like you know, you're not going to be able to rely on on Seth Curry and Bruce Brown lighting us up every game. So, I think Ime and the and the team just just established that strategy to really, really try to neutralize Durant, and it but, worked. For the most. But that's kind of the problem is like they were getting 25 point Bruce Brown game, and not and the stars were the ones who like I saw well, the I saw the like a joke graphic on Twitter as if like it would be Nikola Jokic in it. But it was Bruce Brown and under it said no help. And it was just like, man, in game three, I think Tatum scored 39 and Irving and Durant combined for 32. And Durant had a ton of turnovers Mm. uh, the entire series. Yeah, and if it wasn't for those others really stepping up and having good games, those ancillary pieces, this this would have been even worse. I mean, it would have been they got more they got more from Jogic than you could have hoped for. Um I mean, Nick Claxton being an automatic miss at the free throw line was kind of nice as a Celtics fan. But I do feel like some of their their smaller pieces did show up. Ultimately, it felt like every game they were running out of gas and couldn't, couldn't keep going with the Celtics. But it's just the Stars didn't deliver I'm uh, not- nights where... I'm not going to sit there and pile on the Stars because I think that's an easy thing to do with the, with the Nets. I mean, the bottom line is... With the the KD thing, I mean, I don't know what happened with Jason Tatum. Like, he definitely took this leap, this playoff series. And maybe Celtics fans that you, you've watched them play all year have seen this side of Tatum before. But I'm just now seeing this on the big stage. And this guy has become a stud defender. And 
he KD had his hands full all series with Tatum, that one-on-one matchup. And then as far as Kyrie goes, they were just throwing two at him all the time. Like I, I saw it from the very first game that by the end of it, the fourth quarter, they're throwing two bodies on him all the time. So like I understand the subsidiary pieces in the Nets did step up, but they had either their B defenders, the Celtics B defenders that is, or they were getting open looks because they were helping on KD and Kyrie. So I think it's more of they were saying, all right, you know, if you're going to beat us, Nets, it's going to have to be Bruce Brown. It's going to have to be Seth Curry. And it's just not enough. They they put all of their pieces on their previous big three that there's just not enough to go around. And the Celtics defense is just so good at just swarming you and just taking out your best assets. I was just so surprised. This defense is scary good. And someone mentioned this in a chat earlier with me. Is like this Celtics team is looking sneakily, almost like that first run the Warriors had where everything just clicked so well. And they just they just became this unstoppable force. I don't know if you're you're at that level with the Celtics yet. They just they look like such a well oiled machine compared to all the other playoff teams I've seen thus far. I mean, I I feel like that Warriors team would have blown the freaking wheels off of this net squad i'm not i'm not quite there yet but i am very proud of this team uh i I agree with your sentiment about tatum playing amazing defense he's playing mvp caliber he's playing like the best player in the nba right now. oh yeah and it's really really exciting to see him realize this potential because the first half of this season we were like where's our boy like where's our guy here and um you know it's the 180 shift in this squad from first half to second half of the season is is almost entirely on Tatum. I mean, he he really flipped the switch, and it's it's really awesome to see. Uh, and then you know, to remark about the you know not putting it all on the stars for the Nets losing it. I, I will say that Kyrie was playing a lot of hero ball, a lot of iso ball. And that's what hurt Boston when he was with with the Celtics. And we saw him at the end of games dribbling into double coverage, dribbling to the end of the shot clock, and then dishing off to KD trying to get saved. And it reminded me a lot of what, what was happening when he was with us. Well, how, how, how much does the series change if Kyrie doesn't totally blow that? final offensive oh, possession game such a bad possession and then gets and then just gets caught watching Jason Tatum go by him uh the very next possession on on the other end well uh, you know, and while while the Celtics are are playing team ball through and through Tatum is not trying to get all the heroics with the shots he's getting doubled and immediately finding the guy who's open and he was doing that from game 1 to game 4 I mean, we saw a couple of really amazing kicks from him to Grant Williams, where yeah. it was like he almost saw the double coming before it came, and he knew exactly who he was going to get it to. I mean, he's just reading defenses so well. I got to give my hats off to M.A. for that, because like last year with Brad, Jason Tatum would have just went straight up Kobe hero ball. And under Adoka, like the way he has them playing super unselfish, like they are making all the right passes all the time, both uh, Brown and Tatum. Yeah, and and Stevens, too. Stevens built the roster a little bit to, to facilitate that better. Uh, I do want to just go back to an earlier point. The, the uh, what, 14, 15 Warriors, uh, that's a little, little much. Um, defensively, the Celtics were right. incredible. Offensively, I mean, the Nets are not a good defensive team. So for us to 
only be hanging like 115 on them. It's just, it's a room for improvement before I'm ready to say that, like, yes, it's definitely a championship caliber. Yeah. yeah. I'm not yeah, saying that they're the, they're at that level yet, but my point is more like the way that they move offensively and their flow of the game, it's just so fluid and very unselfish. And it just reminds me a little bit of how they play those, those great warrior teams. I, I still think we need a lot more from, from a few different people. I mean, I'm, I'm still worried about, uh Jalen's handles sometimes Jalen Brown gets himself into trouble when he's putting the ball on the floor uh we've seen him dribble off his foot we've seen him uh put the ball on the ground fall down you know it's it's been ugly at times it's almost like uh you know he gets a little too psyched up in his head or something I worry about uh if Daniel Tice is getting a heavy run his hands down low sometimes he can't hold on to that ball on an offensive rebound or when he when Somebody dumps it off to him on penetration. Uh, Derek White has been really, really disappointing offensively. I've, I've liked his defense, um, but I really was hoping to see a little bit more from him offensively. So I think there's still a lot of room for error. Like Biddy said, like we're playing against a Nets team that cannot stop anything. They were like bottom, bottom third in the league in defensive net rating. And, uh, you know, Miami and Milwaukee look like the 06 Pistons compared to this Nets team. So we're going to have our hands full moving forward. Mm -hmm. And this, this Nets team defensively does not get us ready for those teams. Well, so I'm I'm glad that the Celtics have some extra time to prepare. Yeah. And some, I mean, the Derek white thing, if he's putting up a three pointer, it does feel like a wasted possession. Another thing, I mean, it's a really small sample size, but Rob Williams just looked he looked like the old Rob Williams where it's just like, oh man, like his feel for the game has regressed in the month that he's been away. And so I'm hoping that just being on the floor with the guys in practice a little bit more uh, and having a little bit of extra time off to get as much physical recovery as he can. I'm hoping that that gets us back to mm. the Rob that we had all season because there were just moments out there where it's just like, oh man, like that, that's not the guy who who was really anchoring us for a lot of time this season. It's tough for him because he came back fairly early from the injury, but they were projecting second round, maybe worst case, like conference finals. He came back way earlier than anyone expected. And luckily yeah. for the Celtics right now, they're going to play either the um, Raptors or the 76ers. And the Raptors are giving the Sixers a run for the money. I think they're up right think, now by 10 points in game I th- five. I think, Think it's uh, Bucks or, or Bulls. I'm sorry, my it's been no a long worries. night. I'm I'm usually in bed by now. So they got Bucks Bulls. Um, I mean they are playing a Bucks team that's without gonna be probably without Chris Middleton for this for at least huge part break. of the series. That's a huge loss. Um, obviously you have to deal with Giannis still. So actually, you guys want to jump into that and just look at that series? I know that the Bucks haven't advanced, but do we feel as a t- as a whole that the Bucks will be the Celtics' next I, opponent? I think it's a fair assumption. And I mean, for all the for all the roughing up of Durant that we did, Giannis is a different dude, and it's uh, it's a it's a much taller task to to physically impose upon him. I I do like that we can continue to throw bodies at him. Al Horford, uh, historically the Giannis stopper, but a lot of switching, uh, just like we we're able to do so much. Which like I loved watching the Celtics against the Nets, where just like. Keep switching, keep switching. You want to switch off of Grant Williams so you can get Jalen Brown? Like, 
awesome. Go for it. Um, Giannis is just going to take a different strategy because trying to beat him up, it, you're going to be feeling beat up yourself. That's another guy we got to give his shine real quick before we move on too fast. Al Horford, he got he got some bulletin board material from Bruce Brown before this series, and he has never looked more fired up. I've met Al Horford. The man barely said two words to me, and he mumbled them. He's the quietest guy in the NBA, and he man, that guy was fired up this series. I love that out of him. He he really showed that he is still a valuable player in this league and especially on this team he's he's just great if we're gonna give shout outs i give shout outs to shay's boy peyton pritchard fast pp oh yeah hell yeah and grant williams grant williams can we just take a second like a grant williams appreciation minute because when he came into the league he didn't he just looked lost he's this undersized big he was kind of a little bit slow at first you couldn't you didn't really know what you're going to do with him on the court and he's transformed his body like he still looks a little pudgy no offense to you grant but he can move his feet with the best of him he can stay in front of anyone at this point he can he can play multiple positions defensively and he finally developed a corner three-point shot so he can be like a very reliable three and d guy which was that was always the vision for him and he was fantastic i saw him guarding up um durant a couple times in this tonight's game and he was doing a fantastic job like he did not look lost out there as as a pudgy person you know, <laughs> I, I, I gained 50 pounds in the past five years i don't know what fatherhood has done to me but uh, he, he's like my my spirit animal at this point I, I love what he's done i think he missed his first 21 three-pointers in his rookie year and this year he's top 10 percent or top 10 uh in the NBA in three point percentage. And like you said, his, his defense has been incredible. Yeah. He's, they he's were calling the, him, he's they were calling him Ben Simmons. They were calling <laughs> him Ben Simmons. And, and truthfully, nobody was harder on Grant Williams uh, last year than I was. I was saying, get him out of town. I don't want to see him on the floor. And, uh, and I'm very, very happy to say that Grant has proven me wrong in a, uh, in a big way. That was an, another uh, Danny Ainge success right there. It's we gotta we gotta give that one to him. I even like going into timeouts, like like uh, he was ding up Kevin Durant so hard. <laughs> Kevin Durant was trying to get in like a practice shot going into a timeout. I saw this. And Grant was, was following him and not letting him get the shot up. It's like, <laughs> and the, they didn't want to cut to the commercial because it was so funny. And you know, I love that. Get into the star's head, baby. Uh, yeah, I feel like he knocked down like three threes in the last two minutes of the second quarter. Like he was hot at the end of the second quarter here in game four. He was good all series. Um, and he's just like, it's really awesome to see a guy who was drafted later in the first round really understand that he is a role player and figure out how to how to fulfill that role. And he's now, I think this is his third year in, in his career. And it's just like, yeah, like this guy – this guy's going to have a decade-long NBA career, and it seems like he's really smart and is probably going to have a, a really good post-playing career in basketball. I love it. He's, he's going to have to stay big, too, because if we if the Celtics do play the Bucks, the Bucks are playing big right now. I mean, it sucks to see Middleton go down, but Milwaukee is actually making it work because they just went from big to bigger. You know, they, they're running out – lineups where they had Portis, Giannis, and Lopez. Brooke Lopez out at the same time, which it, it sounds kind of stupid. You can, it though. Like you doing 2K, but, like, it was working for them. Well, 
if you think about the, those three guys, like I know I understand that you consider Giannis a big because of his size and the same thing with Bobby Porter's. But Bobby Porter's is is pretty mobile for a big guy. He's he's undersized big. I think he's like six nine. So he's more yeah. of like you know a, a four, maybe a three at best. And then Wingspan, yeah, so like <laughs> even though those guys are really tall in length, I think you have two of them. Two of the three can actually move well on the court. So that could be. Could cause problems for the Celtics. Do you think that the Celtics are going to have like obviously in this series they they generate a lot of offense off of the defense, so defensively leading to offense on steals and fast break points. Do you find that like with this rarely difficult defense in the Bucks, are they going to have trouble scoring against this team? I think for sure. Like it's a really good defensive team, and they're they're going to have a lot more to throw at Tatum um than Brooklyn did and we just know we just know with the Celtics offense like if Tatum's going then the offense is going but unfortunately like as we saw at the end after Tatum fouled out when there's when when Tatum isn't cooking then things do kind of lack confidence as uh as they're making moves and that leads to some bad possession so I I think it's going to be a lot more I mean Kind of the path from here, it might be Milwaukee and then Miami for the Celtics, oh. and those are two rock fights. Uh, so it's it's gonna get it's gonna get tighter, uh, which is crazy to say after how Bitties. tight those four games were. You know how much of a homer I am for the Heat. I want nothing more than an Eastern Conference final Celtics Heat because I see teams that are. I mean, I think the Celtics have better super like top tier talent, but I see two teams that mirror each other so well, just like defensive intensity just tenacity just two teams that are just going to play with so much intensity and effort i want to see that that series that's all i want to see in the conference finals you're a homer for the heat i thought you were an orlando and a minnesota fan i can't do that. <laughs> uh, everyone pretty much i have like eight teams no but i do i do really like watching the heat and I just said I was a heat. I don't homer. think you can parlay fandom. Like you, you have like five pe- five teams that your fans. Like I, I don't know. How, Steve how doesn't like the heat. He likes heat culture. Yeah, I like heat culture. <laughs> big, big I'm, I'm big on the culture. I respect the heat. I like Spolstra. I'm also we, adopting the Nuggets we as the, well. I think we got the Heat's number. I think whoever wins the next round, Celtics, Bucks. That's the conference finals. Mm. Whoever wins that. Is going to be in the NBA Finals. So I don't know. I, I picked the Heat and the Suns before this series. Before, oh God! Before the uh, before the uh, um, Booker injury. Started, so. Yeah. Well, we'll get That's down up. the line. Going chalk going one seeds. I mean, That's true. I don't know the Heat. <laughs> the Heat have had Atlanta, and Atlanta's not very good. So like, the Heat are going to have to prove it to me in round two. Um, most likely against Philadelphia, although they're down. 13 and uh and Joel Embiid has a torn ligament in his hand so uh could be Toronto but yeah I feel like Miami just has more to prove to me it's not their fault because you don't you don't get to pick your opponent and if you did you would still take the easier way um but they just like I haven't learned a lot about Miami just because they can be a bad Atlanta. Let me tell you about home court advantage because Miami has the best home court advantage against the Philadelphia 76ers because <laughs> I hear so so people say Miami great strip clubs and James Harden they say is aficionado of strip clubs so he may be very tired for those road games that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh baby. Okay. I think, goes, I think he just goes for the wings. 
<laughs> He's not Lou Williams. But let's just let's focus back on this Buck series before you get too far into the playoffs. I think I'm planning the parade, Steve. You're planning the parade, <laughs> Biddies. I'm going to join you on the float, my friend. Um, but if I'm the the Bucks, I'm actually pretty worried because outside of Chris Middleton, you don't really have a like a guy that's a bucket getter. Like Giannis is one of the best players in the world, like definitely a top seventy-five player, but he's not your typical bucket getter. So if you need a tough shot in a clutch moment, I feel like if you're the Bucks, you might be running into some problems because in the past, when they needed a shot to just stay competitive and there was nothing going on, they gave it to Middleton and he's really good at getting a bucket. I don't see help coming with him at being out. I don't know. Grayson Allen's looked pretty smooth the past couple of games. <laughs> oh, God. I hate that freaking kid. There's nobody I dislike more than that little freaking dweeb who tries to trip people and kick people. And actually, an eight year old loses and kicks the ball into the woods. But uh, he's been knocking down some big threes for them. And Drew Holiday is quietly having a very, very good season. He's been kind of quiet in this uh, series, but. Milwaukee has won, and I think they're well coached, and I think they do have people that can step up. They do have that next man up culture. But but a, a big thing about Middleton that really stood out to me as they took the leap to winning the title last year was one Middleton Middleton will just take a game, and it's just like, yep, the Bucks won this game because Middleton went off for forty, especially against the Celtics. <laughs> yes, 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 triple. Triple retweet on that. Um, and then the other thing is Middleton does enhance Giannis. They have a really they uh, they had especially last year in the playoffs a really good two man game that you know if you go back and watch that Giannis fifty piece uh, masterpiece, then it's a lot of working off of Middleton. So to not have that is definitely uh, it's it's a whatever the opposite of an enhancement is to Giannis. Yeah, he spaces the floor really, really well, Middleton. He's definitely more consistent than than Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton and those ancillary pieces. Um, you know, the defenses are going to consistently give Grayson a little bit more space, whereas they won't give Middleton that space. So they will converge on Giannis a lot more when Middleton's not on the floor. I'm with you. Um, it's it's just a shame there's so many injuries. It's It seems like we do this all the time. Almost every year we get geared up for like a crazy, awesome playoff run. And then we see a bunch of high profile names on the injury shelf. It's, it kind of sucks. Yeah. You, you mentioned Embiid with the, the thumb. We've got Devin Booker, another MVP candidate. Luka Doncic has been out. Middleton, Van Fleet, Lowry. We're already missing Zion. Steph Curry's coming off the bench. I mean, obviously, he's not 100% if he's coming off the bench. Even though George- Greatest six-man an- ever. Greatest six-man ever. <laughs> We're missing an entire team in the Clippers. It's crazy. It's, like, it's the Clippers, you know, are supposed to be here. Nah, Clippers wild. were always going to miss the playoffs. Clippers going to Clipper. That's all I'm going to say about them. <laughs> it's it's just nuts to see so many injuries. It's It definitely lends credence to the uh, load management crap. And, you know, it's I don't know how to change it, but... It, it sucks. I would. I just wish this healthy NBA had uh, its best players all healthy. And you know, if the Celtics are going to win it all, I wish they could win it against uh, fully healthy teams. Well, the thing is about the load management in this situation is 
uh, I think almost all of these injuries occurred, except for like Zion because he's been out all year. But all, most of these injuries have occurred in the playoffs. So even taking time off in the regular season, they, they weren't going to be prevented unless unless you're going to make the argument that taking time off would have like put yourself in better position to not get injured in the playoffs. I don't I don't know, but it wasn't going to help either way. Is my point? Well, maybe Van Fleet. I mean, Van Fleet has been not himself since probably like around March, like right around maybe the All Star game actually. And that could be due to Nick Nurse just playing his stars for like 40 minutes a yeah, game it's crazy. all season. Yeah. I think we all knew that something was going to happen with that team. They definitely uh, – I mean, they're they're showing up today, um, but it's it's unfortunate to see how those guys are, are really exhausted and, uh, and you know, fatigued. And, and, you know, I said earlier you got to credit the Celtics defense, but there is part of it where it's like – the last month of the season, the Nets did have to put their foot on the gas a lot harder than everybody else, but or every every other contender, because the Nets were trying to avoid a nine ten seed situation yeah. rather than just like you know the 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 Heat, Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, where it's like shuffling, but you're going to have a similar enough path anyway. Um, so, but yeah, they were just they had to push those two stars a lot down the stretch just so they would only have to win one of the uh playing games yeah i'm just i'm glad boston didn't do load management i'm glad boston didn't try to uh rest players and get the three seed you know now boston now boston is coming off a sweep and getting home court against defending champions Unless, you know, Chicago makes some crazy turnaround. And and I mean, there's, I think there's a big mental piece to this where just the confidence of like, all right, we just beat Kevin Durant, one of the best players we're ever going to play against in our career. We also just beat Kyrie, who I know that the the players have a much better relationship with Kyrie yeah. than, than the Celtics fans do by, by mile. I think but anyone still- has a better relationship than Celtics fans <laughs> and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Russia and you, Russia and Ukraine. Better relationship, yeah. But but Steve there's there's got to be at least a part of them that's just like, yeah, you left us and we beat you. And I just I think that there's got to be some confidence to them beating a re, like a team that was seen as a legitimate contender, a team that other teams were trying to avoid, a team that the media. Even tomorrow, even tomorrow is going to be more focused on the Nets than they are the Celtics. Um, I think to have that win behind them or, or under their belt, I should say, I think that means so much more. Where this team is still pretty young, despite all of their playoff experience, um, I think it means a lot more than like a win against the Hawks would have meant. Even even a good team like the Raptors, I still just think beating KD, beating Kyrie, doing it in a sweep, doing it where you get a buzzer beater uh, in game one, you get a big comeback game two, you really slam the door shut game three, and then you got to kind of bite your nails as Tatum fouls out game four. Yeah, but you said it from the beginning, like this Nets team was not, they were a seven seed for a reason. They were not that great. They Outside of their, their top two stars in Kyrie and KD, they were pretty thin. So I don't know how much momentum they're going to get out of this series. The one thing I will say is a good takeaway is like you now see the full potential of Jason Tatum. Like he had to step up and guard Kevin Durant for four games now, and he really has elevated his game. So maybe going forward, 
you know, maybe you can throw him on Giannis a little bit, even though they're not the same player. Maybe, I don't know, who would you play in the conference finals? Maybe like um, Jimmy Butler. You know, So he's like elevated his game where he can just lock people down now. So you can carry that momentum, I guess, going forward. But and and you said they were seventeen for a reason, but the I mean the reason was Kyrie. Like if if that doesn't if the vaccine thing doesn't happen, one they probably end up keeping James Harden. Two, yeah, they they they're you know top six, uh, even with the KD injury, they're probably top five or six, and they they were really I mean around the All Star break they were like a one two seed. They were right there with Chicago early in the season when they still had Harden. So. I think the team that they got, you can call them a, a low seed, but the fact that Kyrie and KD were playing every single game makes it material materially different from the record that they got. Everybody always wants to mash on LeBron for you know destroying franchises and, and killing team dynamics. And, and by everyone, you mean yourself, right? <laughs> you know, no, not really. <laughs> I mean. The man in the mirror has a lot yeah. to say about LeBron. many people no, are know, saying. You know, many people are saying. Jared, our buddy Jared says that stuff all the time, and I'm actually one of the ones that defends LeBron in those cases. Like his the the cities that LeBron has played for would never take back those years or give back those years that he won championships for them. So it's it's crazy for people to say that. But uh, Kyrie has done worse than LeBron. Like Kyrie has torched organizations. He's He's alienated Boston for for multiple years, and and now here he he, he got hardened to run run the hell away, and they got back uh, Ben Simmons wearing mixed <laughs> colors on the sideline, looking oh, like where, of, looking like where's Waldo? Speaking of the Knicks, what the hell is Spike Lee doing cheering on Brooklyn in the playoffs? Uh, you're yeah, the Knicks loser. guy. You're the Knicks guy. Jack Nicholson isn't isn't turning his colors around and being a Clippers fan during Lob City while the Lakers stunk. I mean, Spike Lee, that you know was you shameful. Yeah, in, in, in the 90s, Spike Lee was as much a part of the NBA culture as as the Knicks in general. Like, they were doing more cutaways of Spike Lee than they were of his of the Knicks coaches. And now he's kind of fallen out of out of favor from, from the league. He's old. And so he's sat on the sidelines of their MSG. The young fans don't give a sh- give a crap about him. So now here he is trying to get in the news. Yeah, it was shameful. It was shameful to. But Vinny, you, you got a, you got a really good point about how the Nets still get talked about more than the Celtics. Yeah, uh, Shea was mentioning that today. I think in between diapers, he was saying on the TV all day that uh, ESPN was talking about the Nets. The whole time, not yeah. really mentioning the Celtics, you know, earn their keep and, and beating them as a team. That's not. It's all, it's all ben, Simmons, ben Simmons is going to be the one of the most talked about players of the entire series. Yeah. But this isn't this like isn't a Celtics thing. Don't take it personally, guys. We all know what sells, and it's people hating. Like hatred and anger sells way more than happy stories because I'm, all year was the talk about how good the Phoenix Suns were. No one said a damn word about the Phoenix Suns. It was all about the Lakers and how much of a dumpster fire they are. So obviously, now that the Lakers are out of the picture, who are we going to shit on now? The Nets. the Nets. And after the Nets, it's going to be who are we going to shit on next? Probably the 76ers and Joel Embiid. It's always the next person we want to shit on. It's never about a good story. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. I want the Celtics to be slept on, fly under the radar, and and we'll just pop up with the with the Larry O'Brien trophy, hopefully. Sleep all the way to Banner 18, baby. <laughs> By the way, we didn't. The only non-Celtic fan here. 
Um, I, I just enjoy basketball. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a Magic fan first and foremost, so I default just enjoy basketball because I don't uh, like to enjoy my team. You're a diplomat. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I enjoy watching the Celtics because they play great basketball. Like, this series against the Nets has just been fun to watch as a fan of the NBA. I did want to mention one thing before we move on. We didn't get to talk about your guy, Marcus Smartwin Depoy. Congratulations, sir. Woo! Damn, we didn't talk about that yet? That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's huge. Get your robes out. Make your custom <laughs> robes. Bedazzle them. Put whatever you want. But yeah, Marcus Marcus has graced my profile pictures more than I, probably my ugly mug has in the past 10 years. I, <laughs> I love this freaking guy. He's He deserved it. Fuck, like probably three times over at this point. Did his uh, robe say Depot? I didn't see the Y in Depoy. There, there's a Y. Okay, I just didn't see it from the angle. Don't don't disparage, don't disparage Puma like that. I was like, what the hell Puma, is a Depot? Puma, put those on sale. Puma has to put those on sale. They'll sell but it it's, out. It's it's nice for him to finally get noticed. Uh, you know, it, I, I think what did it for him, what locked it in was, was Doris Burke. Williams going down with that injury and him mm-hmm. actually stepping up and, and playing every every position on the uh miami heat in that big win i think every single player that he he defended went like either over or like got one shot in out of like multiple shots and that that really swung it i think mm. and, and rob was right in the mix for the award he was, himself he was. and then the celtics defense did not drop off yeah and yeah he's he's just it's here's the thing though we don't usually see guards win this award it's always rim protectors it's always people with big blocks and it's just nice to see somebody who takes charges who dives on the floor who risks it all plays smart defense and makes everybody around him better it's it's just it's a long time here's the one thing though about the this award is like it's kind of a weird award because it's hard to really measure defense like the intangibles so i think there's a lot of people who what's that he's got don't measure it just watch i know but my point is going to be that like even though like some people's argument like i heard doris burke talk about like he's the best defender on the best team defensively yada 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 but I would make the argument that Jason Tatum's a better defender than Marcus Smart. And to be honest with you, like I, th- I don't think he's not deserving. Like I'm, I'm glad he got it. I think it's more of a career achievement award because I don't think he was the best defender this year, like the single best defensive player. But I think he is one of the best defenders in the NBA, and he never won the award, so I'm happy for him. I think he's been one of the best defenders in the league for many years. After a uh, long time coming. After his second summer league game, after he got drafted, I I did say that I thought he was going to win an MVP award one year. So I'm happy that he at least got the DPOI. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at least it's like, hey, that's close. Uh, and I do have my custom number 36 MVP <laughs> jersey to uh, to commemorate my hot take. So I'm glad that like at least he's got that big individual achievement to be like, well, he didn't get all the way there, but. Defensive player of the year is pretty good. Mm. I think he's the best defensive guard, not named Jordan and uh, Peyton. You know, a lot yeah. of people say maybe Jason Kidd deserves to be in that, but uh, I, I think he's the, the third best defensive guard in the history of the game. Especially in this era. Like, dude, if Marcus Smart played in the 90s and he was just allowed to beat dudes up, then <laughs> oh, good mean, Lord. it would have been entirely – like he would have shanked somebody in the locker room (laughs) (laughs) he's just that type of tough dude even in person he's he's definitely a presence (laughs) 
I have my power ranking somewhere of top 10 players in the league I don't want to mess with, and he's he's definitely in the top 10 list. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially, uh, I mean, there probably aren't that many guards on that list. You're no. putting Pat Beverly on that list. <laughs> he's fake Pat tough. Beverly's, Pat Beverly's just a Chicago guy, though, so I got I to gotta pay respect to my so, city. Speaking he's of Pat great. Beverly, this is a good segue because I want to talk a little bit about the Western Conference before we get out of here. Um if we, we can maybe circle back at the very end for a little more Celtic stuff if you want. But uh, so I think I figured out the perfect formula for the um, Minnesota Timberwolves because it's 2-2 right now with the Grizzlies. Did you know in this playoffs that the Minnesota Timberwolves are 3-0 and when a protester storms the court? <laughs> wow, wow, that's a great stat. I mean... <laughs> We might be putting the uh, undefeated security at risk by, <laughs> by publishing that. That's why you're in the host chair, baby. You're coming out with that real good stats. Uh, so what are people doing? They're gluing themselves to the floor. One lady glued herself. Someone like tried to zip tie themselves to the, the, uh, the, the basket. And then the famously enough, I think their last game, I don't know if people saw the, uh, the video of the security guard, yeah. the go of security. The, the woman took three, three steps on the court, and the guy just like, boom, nope, gotcha. Yeah. That Vikings, was a great Vikings should Sign that, should, man. Uh, get on the phone there. That's some good good reaction time. But that on, was a Madden player right there. That was square <laughs> button, square button. Quick, quick. No, that was not a square. That was the, the joystick, right joystick up. That was a hit stick, my hit friend. Stick. Hit stick. But uh, no, yeah, on, a, on a serious note, that series has been interesting because – a lot of people liked the Grizzlies coming into the to the playoffs, maybe to make a run to the conference finals, and they've been all over the place. And I can't put my finger on it. I, I think it might be not so much the Grizzlies being a, a bad team or like not not a bad team, but um, not what we thought they were. I think it's more of the Timberwolves because when I watch the Timberwolves on some nights, and maybe just in burst within a single game, they look like the best team in the league for runs of like ten minutes, and then they look like a lottery team or a top five drafting team in the next 10 minutes. Like they're so inconsistent. So for me, that, that series is two, two just because of how inconsistent the Timberwolves are not, not anything against the Grizzlies I mean, themselves. It's, it's almost three, one if they don't blow a, you know, whatever 20 point lead. That's a bad draw. That, that series was a bad draw for Memphis. Minnesota is scrappy. Anthony Edwards is one tough alpha dog of a young guy. I mean, he's he's looking really, really great. Um, I haven't been impressed by Cat. I, I, I still say Cat is one of the uh, the weakest, softest superstars in the game. He's got no dog in him. No. I mean, he, he played well in game four. Um, he showed up in game one, at least scoring-wise. Um but in game four, he pulled his head out of his butt and stopped doing the ticky tack fouls and, you know, looked like he was, he was ready for the moment. He was actually ready for the game. But, um, you know, it's, it's kind of weird because this series has been less about cat and less about John Moran, who hasn't looked like himself and less about uh, Jaron Jackson, who in the regular season was a defensive player of the year uh candidate at least you know contender towards the end um he's been in foul trouble the whole series yeah. we're seeing I mean, it's probably why he didn't win the award yeah, yeah. he fouled, he fouled foul too trouble. much but we're seeing like you know desmond bain dylan brooks anthony edwards and then some combination of pat bev beasley d 
it's we're seeing a lot of the ancillary pieces come out and and step up big time it's, it's kind of weird we didn't see that coming but but like you said this is this is a scrappy series it's it's definitely gonna be a dog fight it's and it's and both, probably the best series out there both i mean i don't think it's best in terms of the quality of the play and I yeah think part of i think i think part of what we're seeing is is both teams are young and there's just that aspect of playoff basketball where it's oh shit like we're playing the same team over and over again they have scouted us so much harder than we're used to during the 82 game regular season where everybody's just trying to get through it for a lot of a lot of time so i think when a young team comes into the playoffs and experiences that for the first time it it, it gets them off their game it shakes them a little bit and we're just kind of seeing it at the same time as both of these both of these teams do not have much playoff experience. The one thing that you got to be happy or if you're a Warriors fan is like both of these teams have looked extremely shaky in the first round and the Warriors are just clicking on all cylinders. I don't see any of these teams giving the Warriors any bit of a tough time um, in the next round because I mean, I'm assuming the, the, the Nuggets have nothing for the Warriors. I feel bad for Jokic, probably the MVP, but that team just has nothing for the Warriors. I mean, at least they didn't get swept. At least Jokic didn't get swept in his uh, back-to-back MVP year. That's they they showed up in the last game, but it looks like a gentleman's sweep. Yeah, and and I agree with you. The Warriors have have looked very impressive, and they've got a pretty easy road through the next round, I'd say. And, yeah, I mean, and then Evan Booker's out. Like, what the heck is going <laughs> on in the West? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the Warriors, like they they've got to feel good about the way things have shaken out and. Like, like the no. Warriors really need any breaks? Like, do they really need a Devin Booker injury? Do I don't they know. Really need, like, two was, of the best players on the Nuggets to be out? Come was, on. It was a tough second half for Golden State. And, and, now, and, and now Jordan Poole is, like, looking like a splash brother. He's incredible. Phoenix Phoenix was a very deserving favorite going into the into the playoffs. And it was a tough second half for Golden State. And it was like, well, how are they going to gel back together here? And it has gelled back together uh, pretty much perfectly. Not that the Nuggets are, are the greatest opponent and Jokic has to do it all on his own. But that second round opponent is not going to be very difficult. Um, and we'll see. We'll see where the Suns are at. And, you know, one, Devin Booker has to get back. Two, Devin Booker has to be himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Mavs. Maybe the Mavs are the wild card. And it's just like Luca yeah. is a bad mf'er, and like that—that's just a grenade that can set off and and jumble everything up. But series aside, two-two. According to my computer screen, uh, they're up five points in the second quarter right now. So they still got to get through Utah. Um, Nuggets you, Utah. Dude, no one wants Utah. It's hard to believe in the Jazz. It's I don't think the Jazz even believe in themselves. It's it's weird that this is even two two. It feels like it's three one. Like it, I I don't know. The the Mavericks just get by Donovan Mitchell and those guards so easily. Like Mitchell and Clarkson are such sorry excuses for defenders, and you know they drive and kick to those outside shooters so well. And Maxi Kleber and Jalen Brunson and Davis Bertanza have looked like Splash Brothers in that series. Mm. It's, and it's out of control. And it's crazy because, like, the big comparison when Donovan Mitchell sprung onto the scene was Dwayne Wade, and that oh, and for him God. for him to be playing that level of defense is just like disgraceful he's, towards Dwayne Wade. 
He's. He'll I think he's the most away. overrated all star out there. I, when we did our all star picks, I, I left him off my ballot. Like I, I like that he's he's a bucket man. He can get you points. He's a volume scorer, but his game isn't predicated to like improve others around him, and he's not a great defender. So I don't know, man. I think he has he has a low ceiling for a superstar. I did want to ask you one other question to follow up about the Jazz because. None, none of us, none of us have faith in the Jazz, and there's a lot of rumor between, you know, but that there's issues between Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And I was thinking to myself the other day, as a Magic fan, if Gobert became available in a trade, is Gobert a player that I want? Like, do you think he's a player that teams would want to go out and get? I mean, he's a one of the best defenders in the league, but we all know in the playoffs, team just teams just pick and roll the crap out of him, and he can't deal with it, and it's their Achilles heel. Like, is he a player you think that teams around the league are actually going to go and, and push a lot of chips for? No, because you don't have any flexibility around taking him in as a max contract. So it, it, it would require the Jazz to be taking back less than favorable contracts mm-hmm. and, like, draft picks. And so, yeah, I wouldn't be super interested if I was a random team. You know, his his peak is behind him. And offensively, he can be a liability if you ask him to do too much. And he has not really gotten, you know, he hasn't improved enough at the line. And uh, he's not well-liked enough. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's too many X's on that on that checklist and of, of negative things. I, I wouldn't want my franchise to go after him heavily. I mean, I'm just spitballing here. Maybe, like, you know, maybe the balls get – trounce again here game five maybe they'd be willing to do like a Vucevic and Pat Williams they've been very unwilling to consider trading Pat Williams the entire time he's been there but maybe if they just feel like okay our timeline just got jumbled up because DeRozan Levine gave us so much hope in the first half that maybe we take a swing but yeah I mean I just he, he doesn't move the needle yeah. And you're so inflexible once you take him on as your max player. I like him on the Bulls, sure. though. I do kind of look like wants that. Him in Charlotte. Seamus wants him as a lob threat and a defender in Charlotte, since Charlotte is not playing any defense at all. I don't hate that. that. Him and Ball would be pretty fun. At least from a, a watching perspective, they'd be fun to watch together. It'd be interesting. But I, I think Shea was right. I think this Utah team is uh, on the verge of a pretty major shakeup. I think they might be rebuilding or or at least breaking it down a little bit. And Knicks, you're not getting Donovan Mitchell. Just stop it with that. No one wants to go play for you guys. I mean, we'll see. Danny Ainge will be uh, asking for a high price. Yeah. Trader Danny. So do you guys want to touch on I think we touched on every series in the West except for the last one. Do you, you guys want to touch on the Pelicans' sons at all? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting one now that Booker's down. Yeah. I mean, De- uh, DeAndre Ayton, talk about stepping up. We've seen him looking pretty good, but I, I, I'll tell you what, I think the bigger talking point is the the underdog Pelicans. They're awesome. They're It's really fun to watch them. I don't think New Orleans has been this fired up about basketball in a long time. They're, they're turning up. It's lit in there, as the kids say. Well, the uh, thing about the Pelicans is they started off the season so poorly. I think they were like one in ten or some something abysmal to start there. the year. And, and since, go ahead. 
now they're yeah they're clicking we're seeing ingram and mccollum are playing you know they're they're the best duo of the playoffs so far at least points and net rating wise and i i can't believe i'm saying that uh tatum and brown are are not too far off from that by the Mm. way i have to include that But Jose Alvarado, That's Herbert Jones, these guys are feisty mofos. Defense. Herb Jones, dude, Seamus put me on. Yeah, Herb Jones Herb is legit. Guys defense, and ever since, like, I feel like whenever I open up my iPad, all I see is Herb Jones just swallowing someone defensively. Yeah, he's closing up like eight feet of separation and and blocking a guy's jump jump shot from twenty four feet out. It's it's crazy to see. I mean, you don't see three point shots get blocked very often anymore. These guys are pretty much masters of separation and knowing how much space they have. And Herb Jones just eats that. Like he's yeah. one guy that w- that could definitely like eat up James Harden on the step mm. back. Like he's probably one of the 20 best defenders in the league. I- I'd have to say already. Like he's and, just so good. And Steve, you and I did the, like who, what, what, what team would you want to be rebuilding with right oh, now? Oh yeah. We all were I out on the Pelicans. Like, I want to say that was like probably like January. Yeah. And we did not mention Herb Jones a single time. I think so, Shay I mean, did. Shay, Shay, Shay was on him early. Shay knew all about Herb. He's yeah. got to make the all rookie team, I'd say. First team. Yeah. yeah. He's the fifth guy. Yeah. So, so I was going to say about the Pelicans, though, like they start off so abysmal. And I think they're like the sneakiest nine seed because since the All Star break when they acquired um, CJ McCollum, they were, they've been a, like a 500 or above 500 team. So, like while while they had like I think they're like ten games or five games over five, under five hundred to finish the season, like they were not playing that sort of basketball once the playoffs started. And it's funny because we were talking about you know some of these trades and our immediate reaction to getting CJ McCollum was like, yeah, I guess so, whatever. And then I think a week after I texted Biddies and Shay, I'm like, hey, I think this there's a little bit more to the CJ McCollum thing, and he's been their heart and soul. And, you know, one of the more interesting things about this team, I think, as far as an upset potential is they have guys that are like high variance. So what I mean by that is like they're not super consistent, but they they can go off at any given night. And I'm being like Ingram can be up and down, but he can give you 30 plus a night. Same thing with McCollum. And even like a guy like Devontae Graham, like while he's not a great player, he can just go off and go berserk from the three. And then if you want to get second chances, Jonas Valanciunas is one of the best rebounding bigs in the game so like this team has all the the formula and the pieces to like pull off some serious upsets i still don't think they can actually do it but you know this series has been way interesting beyond my expectations i mean there were nine seed going into the playoffs and we didn't give them any even any chance of winning a game before this series started and, well let's uh, be let's be real if well, booker yeah, who, doesn't get hurt who knows yeah who knows if if booker is is healthy they probably don't win a game but you know it's it's become really one of the most entertaining series and it's it's definitely fun to watch you know mm-hmm. i'm a big valentunas fan i biddies knows that i i traded kevin durant when he was injured for Valanciunas one year, and oh I got absolutely destroyed as you by should have been league. But you know what? I won two championships, so yeah, but he he fit my build, okay. But anyway, yeah, I love Big V. Uh, Ingram he deserves more credit because you know he had a breakout two seasons ago when he won Most Improved, and he looks better now. I, I think oh, he, yeah, I think he's like more aggressive and. I don't think he's put on that much weight, but I, I think he's stronger or at least playing stronger. And he, 
he makes some pretty good shots from the outside and he makes some pretty good drives on the inside he had one up and under where he spun that ball and it hit a part of the backboard that if i tried that shot it's <laughs> it's gonna be pretty ugly <laughs> not gonna go well but and it's he, it's almost good. it's almost like remember when, like paul pierce was just slow but then he would do these moves where it's like how are you letting this slow guy buy you? I feel like Brandon Ingram is kind of learning that strength wise, mm-hmm. where it's like, wait, how are you letting this guy who's not that strong kind of like outmuscle you here? And and he's not like a, he's not super pumped up either. He's usually pretty monotone, and yet he's just like you know the most you'll get out of him is like a smile or a you know a little little uh, nod to his his teammates and mm-hmm. stuff and. Yeah, he's like taking over, so it's it's pretty fun to watch. I will say about this. Then you got Alvarado, who's just like Mighty Mouse out there. He's like the underdog who's just he's getting he's drawing an eight second uh, violation on Chris <laughs> Paul and acting like he won the championship. Enough it's with just, this hiding in the corner, by the way. I'm I'm over this. It was cute the first well, few times. You no, know, he, he's not doing that on Chris Paul. Um, he got him once actually. I think in the last game. It's it's just he's definitely fun to watch. How can you not root for a little little guy like that who was went undrafted and uh, you know? I like the story. I'm just fun. kidding. I will say though, this Pelicans team, it for some reason it sneakily reminds me of the Bubble Suns, like a team that was real scrappy that they've been awful for so long, and I don't know, man. I'm I'm looking at this Pelicans team and I'm like, next year. This team might be might be dangerous next year if they get Zion back and he's good yeah. and healthy. It's like the the Bubble Suns convince Chris Paul to come. Yep. The these Pelicans are convincing Zion to play back. Go on a diet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what if Chris can, Paul goes back to New them. Orleans and then he wins the championship with New Orleans? Whoa. We should be in the writing room for the NBA. <laughs> I love it. All right. Um Let's get to Adel soon. Were there any last things you guys want to talk about as far as Celtics or anything we didn't touch on yet today? Um, I mean, I did say that it was like a five-point game, uh, Utah-Dallas, and then Dallas like immediately expanded it to 15. Mm. Pick and roll, Rudy Gobert, they know. They know. Anything for you, Shay? I'm Shay. Good God. It's fun. I need to go to bed, man. Yeah, Calvin rules, bro. Calvin rules. Congratulations, Seamus, buddy. We miss you or wish you well. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to the My Wheelhouse Basketball Podcast today. Remember, rate, subscribe, review. We'll see you next week. Hopefully Seamus is with us. That'd be great. Peace out.